Are you that weirdo that loves a good old-timey doctor story? Well, good. This is a podcast for you. Welcome to Happy Hour Gets Weird. Hi, guys. Welcome or welcome back, friends. We're back from a mental health staycation. We took two weeks off and I feel better than ever. Me too. And who am I who feels better than ever? I will tell you. I'm Cassie. And I'm Tiffany. And this is Happy Hour Gets Weird. We are a weekly podcast and we get together, have cocktails, and talk about weird shit. That's exactly right. And what are we drinking this week? This week we are drinking rhubarb strawberry coolers. Ooh, it's so good. We decided to make the same drink this week. Rhubarb simple syrup, muddled strawberries, vodka, and club soda. Simple as that. Simple yet delicious. I recommend it. 10 out of 10. As always, we will have our drink recipes on our Instagram page. So check it out. Yes. Happy Hour Gets Weird pod. Okay, so before we get into the episode this week, we wanted to share a podcast we've been loving mm-hmm. called Murder in the Rain. And here you go. Bada boom, bada bing. Calling all true crime fans, murderinos, crime junkies, and wine coven members. Have you listened to Murder in the Rain yet? Murder in the Rain is a true crime podcast based in the Pacific Northwest, focused on the local cases that make us the notorious home of bizarre crimes and serial killers. I'm your host, Alicia Holland. And I'm your host, Emily Rowney. I'm Josh. I forgot. I forgot. I was. In each episode, we will cover a case to bring you all the details of the crime. We often feature interviews with people close to the cases, including authors, victims, doctors, and detectives. Most content is dark and not suitable for young or sensitive listeners, but we do try to lighten the mood by providing a blooper reel at the end of every single episode. Trust me, you'll love it. Check us out today, and if you like us, don't forget to subscribe, follow us on social media, and leave us a review. Our website, MurderInTheRain.com, has additional content, podcast feeds, discount codes to some of our sponsors, and an interactive map with locations for each episode. All right, and we are back from Murder in the Rain. Check them out. They are amazing. So... Without further ado, we're going to get right into the episode and we are going to talk about quacks. And I know you what you're thinking, it might be the the famous fictitious hockey team from the 90s, the Mighty Ducks, but no, we're not talking about them. We Great. are talking about I only researched the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> what do you mean? I I looked up Emilio Estevez's biography. Emilio Estevez, the Mighty Duck man himself. Uh, no, when we say quacks, we are talking about medical professionals who either claim to be medical professionals, but are in fact not medical professionals, or medical professionals who are not good. Yes, people who might or might not be doctors. Irregardless of that, their cures are total bullshit. Yes. I love this. I love old-timey medicine. I love the weird shit people used to be like, sign me up, doc. Mm -hmm. I'm all about it. I like old-timey people in general, so this this was fun for me to research. Uh, Okay, so I'll go first. In my 
twisted tale of malpractice begins actually with a hero, a shero, if you will. I am talking about the talented, brilliant, incredible, amazing, show-stopping, spectacular, never the same, totally unique, completely not ever been done before, unafraid to reference or not reference, put it in a blender, shit on it, vomit on it, eat it, give birth to it, scientist by the name of Marie Curie. That was a Lady Gaga quote, by the way. <laughs> I didn't come up with that. Thank you for giving her credit. Uh, Lady Gaga. Uh, hail Lady Gaga. She's amazing. On December 21st, 1898, Marie Curie, alongside of her husband, Pierre Curie, discovered a new element known as radium. This discovery changed chemistry and physics forever. I'm going to cite my sources really quickly. I researched this case using an article on medium.com. I'm not going to say the name because it'll give the ending away. Okay. And I used an academic article on, it's an academic article on Radathor, which is what I'm going to talk about. Now, that being said, after... Radium was discovered by the amazing Marie Curie. America kind of went radium crazy, which opened the door for some flim flam sleaze bags um, to peddle deadly snake oil cures. Not long after uh, Marie Curie visited the United States, radium and radiation products began to flood the American market aimed at all sorts of things. So scary. Uh, very scary. Radium hand cleaner that was guaranteed to take everything off but your skin. Spoiler alert, skin did come off with the germs. Radium suppositories for <gasps> restoring sex power. Uh, oh. The radium was absorbed through your colon and totally destroyed your entire body. <laughs> oh radium infused tablets for female trouble, whatever that is. It's just having a vagina. I um, take offense to that market. Uh, <laughs> marketing campaign. Magic with a K. Radium ointment that when applied directly increased manly courage and vigor. Courage? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Even a muscle relief pad claiming to contain low-grade uranium called Cosmos Radioactive Pad. And it was suggested to be worn like a jock strap, and the pad was placed directly under the scrotum. Yeah. Speechless. Probably, I am speechless. Probably not good for those testicles. Is this how Superman was made? His <laughs> yeah. dad wore one of those jock straps? <laughs> yes. Okay. Luckily for consumers, most of these products didn't actually contain any radium. They just claimed to, which is kind of double fucked up because it's like you have these products that are claiming to contain something then it doesn't so it's a total lie but then if it actually did contain radium you're probably gonna die soon after taking or using the product this is the one time that false advertisement was actually good for the consumer exactly <laughs> you couldn't have said it any better so enter stage left william j.a bailey bailey was born in boston May 1885. He was accepted to Harvard University. He was relatively smart, uh, but he didn't graduate due to 
mounting debt that he couldn't afford to pay. This is a common occurrence back then. Yes, it is. I mean, kind of. And today. And today. <laughs> um, but that didn't stop Bailey from telling everyone he was a Harvard graduate. He eventually started telling people he graduated with a medical degree. In fact, most people actually called him Dr. Bailey. But he was not a doctor. He wasn't even a scientist. Was his name even Bailey? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. In fact, Bailey was just a scumbag. He was shut down multiple times for faulty cures or, um, you know, fake businesses. One such cure he invented and produced and sold was a male uh, enhancement cure for impotence. It was called Last I Go for Superb Manhood. After that was shut down by police, he upped his flim-flam game and started multiple radium-based labs, pumping out products filled with radiation. Oh, yay. He was a go-getter. So these actually did have radiation in them, unfortunately. Yes. Somehow, Bailey got his hands on radium. I looked all over the internet. I could not find where he actually purchased the radium. I got as far as... um, a lab in New Jersey that he purchased it from another lab in New Jersey, but I couldn't trace it any further than that, which it's like, was radium just like sold on the streets back then? It's kind of crazy that he got his hands on it. I, I, yeah, it is. That is crazy. Also, you're probably on a government watch list for trying to find radium that hard. (laughs) Actually, you're probably right. His most lucrative operation was Bailey radium laboratories based in New Jersey, where the infamous, Radathor was made. Radathor. Wow. It's kind of crazy people actually bought this and and put it in their bodies. Uh, It was advertised as pure sunshine in a bottle and perpetual sunshine and even a cure for the living dead. Think Red Bull, but also radioactive. So what the fuck was it? Radithor was housed in a tiny glass bottle topped with a cork, and it contained half an ounce of triple distilled water, kind of fancy, and one micro curie each of RA226 and RA228, which is um, two different types of radiation or radium. And radiation or radium is measured by curies. So there's like millicurie, microcurie, if you're interested in the sciencey part of it, like Google it. I'm not going to go into it. It was not good. Bailey sold Radithor by the case of 30. Oh so God. that was, he marketed as a 30-day supply. He sold it for $1 per vial, which was about a 400% profit margin. So he was like making a ton of money. Yeah, that's expensive for back then. A dollar a bottle? Yeah. Crazy expensive. I mean, Bailey was smart. If he put all of his energy into doing like legitimate businesses, I feel like he would have been a great businessman. Mm -hmm. I mean, as far as wealth is concerned, he was considered a great businessman. But as far as like transparency and being honest, in my opinion, he was a terrible human. Mm -hmm. Um, But as far as being able to increase his 
wealth. He was a good businessman. If that's, you know, I guess business, it comes down to how much money you have. But if he would have put that towards something good, he probably would have made um, a positive impact. He was kind of a brilliant um, businessman when it came to making money, although it was, you know, blood money. But yeah, I think it's easy to be a good businessman when you are good at lying and don't give a shit about anybody else. <laughs> that's exactly. I mean, <laughs> that's exactly who Bailey was. So he pulled an old uh, Barnum and Bailey trick, and he offered a thousand dollars to anyone who could prove that there was less radium than he claimed. Nobody ever proved him wrong. So how that set up, he was like, "I'll give a thousand dollars to the first person who could prove that there wasn't." Uh, the level of radium that I say there is. So people would buy the bottle in order to prove him wrong and make a quick thousand dollars. Turns out there was as much radium mm-hmm. as he claimed. So not only did he sell bottles, but he never had to pay out that thousand dollars. Did everyone just have radium testing kits at home? I, I don't even know how they tested <laughs> exactly. that. Exactly. Um, I don't know. That's why it's kind of genius. Suckers. It's like evil genius. Yes. Level. He also offered practicing doctors a 17% kickback if they prescribed Radithor to their patients. There you go. Um, And then kind of after he started to um, manufacture this, America went crazy for it. I'm going to read an excerpt from Modern Rejuvenation Methods. Radithor has so far exceeded any previous method of radium water treatment that it has been adopted in hospitals and clinics throughout the world. It gives the greatest possible efficiency in alpha rays at the minimum expense and thus, for the first time since the discovery of radioactivity, it brings the blessings of radium water treatment of a highly scientific kind well within the reach of everyone. A child could take this product for years without the slightest injury. He goes on to further state, if any doctor or other person states that radium water is injurious, he is not telling the truth. Out of millions of treatments given these years, we have yet to have a single record of harmful effects. End quote. But there was no way for them to actually know if any of this was true because there were not any clinical trials done on this at all like no, we have today. No, this was just a couple years Total ab- bullshit. after it was discovered. Oh my God. Wild and crazy. So after all this buzz about Radithor, Radithor, I don't know how to say it, Radithor, Radithor, whatever, Radithor. Um, I think it's Radithor because it's like radium. Radithor. Sounds like a superhero. There, it does. I always think of a, um, like a brand of a radiator. I always like, in my mind's eye, <laughs> picture like one of those old fashioned like coiled radiators in the like old apartments. Um. Anyways, I have ADD, so. Eben Byers was a socialite. He was an industrialist, a one-time pro golfer, and had a reputation for being a ladies' man. After seeing a doctor on Bailey's payroll for a broken arm, he was prescribed Radithor. After one dose, he was hooked. He felt an immediate positive effect. In 1927, he started taking Radithor three times a day. 
That's three times the lethal, lethal dose of radiation. He said not only did his arm get better, but he also experienced a healthy dose of male virility. Anything for a boner. It reminded him of the good old days. Even Byers became Rated Thor's number one hype man. He sent it to friends. He suggested his lovers drink it. He even, um, his long-term lover, a woman by the name of Mary Hill, used to drink it with him. Um, and he told her it was a miracle water. He even gave it to his racehorse. Yeah, he was living his best. This is terrifying. But also, I wonder what it tasted like. I just think like the best water that you've ever had in your life. You don't think that radiation has a taste? Maybe metallic? Yeah, that's that's a smart guess. But it was like triple distilled. Yeah, right. You know that water was straight from a gutter outside. <laughs> <laughs> like they really cleaned the water. Yeah, right. Oh my God. It's from the Hudson. <laughs> Just from a garden hose. Uh, so he was like on top of the world. It was, you know, freaking humping every day. He had the hardest boners he's ever had ever had in his life. He freaking glow, glowed in the dark. Glue in the dark? Glowed in the dark. He was glowing in the dark. His boner was glowing in the dark. His Water. penis was like a flesh. It was like a lightsaber. Light. <laughs> it was a flashlight. It was like a lightsaber, I bet. Yeah. Wow. He was pretty, he's pretty cool. But in 1930, three years after he started taking uh Radithor. things took a turn for the worst mary hill his lover died <laughs> i got to laugh i'm so sorry it's terrible but it's like you're literally drinking radiation i mean so mary hill died suddenly and mysteriously and buyers after consuming 1400 bottles Jesus. of Radithor, and that's an underestimate wow yeah they think he drank more Began experiencing severe headaches, excruciating jaw pain, um, and other like mysterious ailments. He saw a doctor who recognized the symptoms as radiation poisoning because this doctor also treated the radium girls. Oh, that is such a fascinating story. If you think that this is interesting and cool, which it is, you should also check out the story about the radium girls. They worked at like a watch or clock factory and they would use the uh, paint that had radiation in it. Is mm-hmm. that what it was? Yeah, it caused it to glow. Yeah, so it would make the paint glow so that they would they would paint like the faces so that people could check their watch mm-hmm. at night, right? Mm-hmm. But these women would paint their nails with this paint. They would lick the paint brushes. To make it sharp. Yeah, to make like a fine point. They would sprinkle the paint in their hair mm-hmm. and... After working in this factory, their bodies literally began to fall apart. Yeah, it was no bueno. Unfortunately, they were told that the paint was safe to ingest because of licking the paintbrush. They thought that it was like basically working with vitamins. Yeah. I think all of America thought that. Yeah. At first, everyone thought that. I think very quickly, people in higher places realized that it was dangerous, but Mm -hmm. they weren't too worried about it no they wanted to make money yeah yeah that is a the uh, radium girls it's a fascinating story so uh it only got worse for poor buyers he started losing his teeth his lower jaw just completely fell off his upper jaw began to crumble also and they had to remove it he had all but two front teeth left 
in his mouth, his two front teeth. Did you look at a picture of him? No, I don't think there's a picture of him like that. But I did see a picture of him before he got sick and he was very handsome. That is so terrifying. I, I could see what they, they would call him a ladies man. He was handsome. I do him. Uh, he began to develop lesions on his brain and eventually his skull began to split open and, um, it started, his skull bones started to have holes in it and he had to wrap bandages around his head to keep, just to even keep his head together. That's so It's horrible. wild that he was. Cause that's what radiation does. It basically puts holes in your bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just totally deteriorates your, it go, it gets, once it's, um, in your body, Whatever way you ingest it, whether it's like intravenous or swallow it or suppositories, it's absorbed through your tissues and organs and it goes straight to your bone marrow. And then it just starts fucking up all kinds of shit. He finally, and I say finally because this man was in excruciating pain. Um, He finally died in 1932 and the official cause of death was listed as necrosis of the jaw abscess of the brain, secondary anema, and terminal pneumonia. He was buried in a lead coffin to stop any radiation from escaping his bones and contaminating the soil around his grave site. Um, Eben Byer's body at the time of his death was measured as containing 36 micrograms of radium. Um, 10 micrograms of radium will kill you. So he had over three times the amount lethal. How did he even survive this long? I have no idea. I mean, I have no idea. I was, as I was reading about Byers, I was thinking, okay, he fully believed that this radium was helping him. So I'm I'm thinking maybe the power of his thoughts Mm -hmm. kind of prolonged his life until his body just couldn't literally hold itself together. Mm -hmm. In 1965... His body was exhumed by the government for testing, and he was still dangerously radioactive more than 30 years later. I think that um, Madame Curie's uh, notebooks are when she was doing her stuff with with, uh, radiation. I think that they actually are in a special container because I think that they still have that much Mm -hmm. radiation on them. I think so, too. And... um, Marie Curie and her husband also died from radiation poisoning. But at the time, they just didn't know what it was. Yeah. So let's go back to William Bailey, this little weasel. Mm -hmm. After Byers died and they found out it was radiation poisoning and he was taking Radithor, basically the government shut down Bailey. He couldn't sell it anymore. They had, I think, I'm going to pull this number out of my ass, but I think they had sold over 400,000 bottles of Radithor by the time he got shut down. I mean, that's a ton of radiation. Yeah. And radium going to uh, the public consumers. So Bailey was like, fine. I mean, I'm like a cockroach. You can't get rid of me. He tried a couple new ventures using radium, including a health spa using radiation treatments. Why was he still trying to do it? I don't what know. What a dick. I, I don't know. Um, he invented a radioactive device that advertised a cure for mental health ailments. Uh, but eventually, thank fucking God, Bailey fell out of love with radiation. It doesn't doesn't say why. doesn't... 
I think um, people are kind of not buying uh, radiation products anymore. Well, yeah. It seems uh, like they would notice the people uh, literally with no, no jaw walking in front of yeah. them. Yeah. His last business venture was something called Kelpodyne Tablets, and it was basically compressed pelletized seaweed claiming to cure 32 specific diseases. I couldn't find the list of diseases, but I'm sure it was female problems was one of them. No boner. That's probably one of them. (laughs) Yeah, probably. So, I mean, those did pretty well. Sadly, William Bailey died a very rich man. With all of his business ventures, it's basically he just had a big old stack of blood money. Um, But he did eventually die in 1949 at the age of 64. And he had carcinoma of the bladder, which was due to ingesting, um, they think it was due to ingesting uh, radithor. And they buried him, not in a lead coffin, but they should have because they dug his ass up in 1970 and that fucker was still radioactive. So they, they really should have buried him in a lead coffin. I'm sure that they did the second time they buried him. They put him in a lead coffin. I'm so annoyed that he got to live so long and be rich his whole life. I know. And he t- killed probably hundreds of people. Definitely. If not thousands. Definitely. The silver lining to this whole story is um, Eben Byers was a socialite and he was a prominent public figure in New York. So his death really put a spotlight on radiation poisoning and it got uh, garnered a lot of attention from the government and from officials and it really led to the change of regulations using radium which it's unfortunate that someone who was rich had to uh, because somebody rich died mm-hmm. uh, specifically a, a rich white guy died and then everybody cared and then everybody cared um but they did care and they stopped um the legal use of uh, radium for public consumption. And that's kind of where, what I learned today is men will pretty much do anything to get a boner. That's very true. And actually there's a continuation of that theme. Oh my With my quack. Oh my goodness. So that's the story of William Bailey and Eben Byers and how radium, although a brilliant discovery by a brilliant female scientist, kind of killed a lot of um, early Americans. It's so scary that so many people were ingesting that. When you think about the idea of your bones glowing in the dark and then your jaw and your skull just breaking off of your body. Yeah. The it's re- like a true horror movie. The, yeah, it, it, it's like zombie apocalypse. It's like The Walking Dead. So, Wouldn't you be afraid if you walked by a mirror at night and you saw your skeleton glowing inside your body? Wouldn't you think, you know what, I'm going to step back from using this product? I mean, in 1920, they just thought it was cool. Yeah, I think so. It was the age of, it was the roaring 20s. Like everything was covered in gold and diamonds, you know? Pretty fucking hardcore. The medium.com article, Mm -hmm. they did an excerpt of um, a reporter in the 1930s who visited Byers. And he said when Byers opened the door or whoever opened the door and let him in. And when he first saw Byers, it was like, he said it was like out of a horror movie. Like he was, um, looked like a monster out of a horror movie. Like his whole head was wrapped in bandages and he only had, um, two chipmunk teeth up front and no lower jaw and no upper jaw. That is so fucking scary. It is. Oh God. What a horrible, horrible way to die. Yeah. 
So that is a story of Radithor, William Bailey, and Eben Byers, and how you should you really need to be a smart consumer. Definitely don't trust anybody. Yeah, research what products are or what ingredients are in the products you're buying and what you're putting in your body. We have the access to be smart consumers. We have access to find out where a product's coming from and what it's made of. So if anything, this story should be a lesson to us that we need to be smart consumers. I mean, that's freaking crazy. They're putting it at, like, it was in beauty products. It was in um, medical devices. It was a pro, uh, I, I believe that the jock strap radiation pad was, like, marketed by a pro golfer. So it was, like, people that they trusted and looked up to were, like. I think also it at that time, at, in the beginning, people really did think that it was good for you. Mm-hmm. So, Beyond just, you know, be a smart consumer, it's also, if something sounds too good to be true, it is. Mm -hmm. There is not a magical cure-all. There isn't a magic pill. There isn't a magic liquid that's going to fix all of your problems and make you, you know, whatever you want. Well, I don't know. I mean. Besides alcohol. (laughs) Have you ever had a really good margarita? (laughs) Of course you have. You know. (laughs) That's the only Um, (laughs) cure-all. I mean, I don't know. It just, it is sad because... I think these laboratories and people like William Bailey knew, probably knew that it was hurting people, but they were too greedy to care mm-hmm. about selling a dangerous product, which, you know, is awful. It is awful. Well, you did a great job. I loved your story. Thank you. It's going to give me nightmares, but <laughs> I still like it. <laughs> Thank you. All right, I'm ready to get into my quack. Before I start, can I just say that this drink is like a fruit salad in a glass. Cassie can't handle it. No, thank you. She hates chunks and drinks. Mm -mm, I had to strain mine. I don't like that. It gets stuck in the straw and it's just irritating to me. (laughs) So, uh, first... I will cite my sources. I read an article called All That's Interesting, and um, I used Wikipedia, and I also watched a little bit of a documentary, which I'll mention at the end. Mm -hmm. I didn't watch it all because it pretty much said that it was uh, loosely based on facts, and I didn't want to be mixed up. Okay. So, my story. 1885. Picture it. Yes, it's very stinky. Fashion (laughs) is very uh, fashionable. (laughs) Smells are very smelly. Fashion's very fashionable. Smells are very smelly. Oh, goodness gracious. I'm I'm in it. I'm living the full fantasy. Go ahead. That is the year that John R. Brinkley was born. The man of my story. Not the man of my dreams. (laughs) Uh, I'm just going to give... A very short, shortened version of his kind of personal life, just so that you have a little bit of a frame of reference for this guy. Yeah, I always like to hear how the monster was made. Yes. So, John Brinkley had kind of a crazy upbringing. His, both of his parents died when he was young. He was raised by an aunt. And um, as he got older, he had a tough time with relationships. He was married more than once 
he had children, uh, all that. There was, it was a little tumultuous in his personal life. But that's not really the stuff that I'm going to get into today. Today I'm going to talk about Brinkley and all of his quacktacular <laughs> adventures. <laughs> I have to get one dad joke in per episode. It's in my contract. <laughs> so Brinkley attempted medical college as a young man. During this time, he also became interested in glandular studies as it was growing in popularity in Europe. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, after two years of working and going to school, he accumulated so much debt that he dropped out. Same as your guy. Same. Which is crazy. Yeah, because things kind of don't really change, do they? <laughs> Apparently not. Since the early 1900s, the college situation has been the same. Why would it change? So um, because of Brinkley's debt from the first medical school he went to, no other colleges would take him. Mm-hmm. So in 1912, Brinkley moved to St. Louis, Missouri, and not to be dissuaded from his goals of being a medical doctor, purchased a certificate from a diploma mill known as the Kansas City Electric Medical University. Work smarter, not harder. I will say, however, I did read in one of the articles um, that I just kind of perused before deciding on my main sources that a lot of medical... Uh, professionals at the time only had a couple of years of college under their belt in the early 1900s. Okay, so he wasn't really outside of the norm. No. Okay. So Brinkley's first scam happened in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. There, along with another dubious fellow, he set up a medical establishment called Greenville Electromedic Doctors. Because if you put the word electro in it, you're obviously high tech as shit. They published ads in the paper claiming that they could cure any man who was concerned about his manly vigor. If it has to do with your boner, right? They gave these men injections in the buttocks. These injections cost $700 a shot in today's money. Which is a lot. Mm -hmm. The uh, air quotes doctors claimed that the injections were electric medicine from Germany. That's so dumb. I mean, what did they even think electric medicine was like? It had electricity in it and your boner was like fueled by electricity? Like Thor. Like Thor's boner. In actuality, the injections were colored water. The men ended up leaving town without paying their rents, utilities, or any other debts they had accrued. And that's how Kool-Aid was invented. No. I'm going to get sued by the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> He's going to kick open the courtroom door and go, and say, oh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fucking sued. I believe this first sham gave him a taste for it. Okay. It really got the ball rolling, so to speak. Oh, goodness. Oh, I don't like where this is going at all. <laughs> if I ever say the word ball in any way, you know it's going to be bad. In 1918, Brinkley had a couple of years of legitimate work behind him. He had a small clinic in Milford, Kansas, where he was successful at nursing patients back to health who were suffering from a very serious flu that was circulating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How is it that both of our stories happened in the early 1900s, but they kind of mirror what's happening now? I don't know. It's fucking scary. Freaky. History yeah. repeats itself. Yes. Every time. 
The community in Milford really liked Brinkley. He brought money in. He kind of rejuvenated the town. And he actually was good at helping these sick patients. He was well-respected and well-liked. Okay. One day, a farmer came in to see Brinkley. Mm -hmm. And he complained of impotence. Okay. (laughs) Oh, my God. To which Dr. Brinkley replied, jokingly, you wouldn't have any issues if you had goat's glands in you. So the farmer, having never heard a goddamn joke in his life, replied, well, why don't you do it then? Transplant them in me. Okay, so this story is sort of like the legend of how this idea came. I don't know if it is actually the conversation that they had. It might have been kind of, uh, you know, exaggerated. Mm -hmm. I also don't know if they were like standing next to a goat when this conversation happened. I kind of think the conversation was manufactured to explain the first um, transplant because goats have a reputation for being like Randy. Yeah. So you think Brinkley was like, hey, wouldn't have this problem if you were a goat. And the farmer was like, well. I think what probably really happened was is somebody said that they were impudent and he was like, I have an idea. I don't really think that it was this witty back and forth. I think he exaggerated the kind of back and forth of the conversation. I think he led the kind conversation of, more. Oh, okay. And he kind of, in the end, placed the blame on the patient. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Nice. He's a stand-up guy for sure. Yeah. So Brinkley did transplant the goat glands into the farmer. And, and by goat glands, okay. by goat glands, <laughs> I'm talking about testicles. <laughs> Gland testicle interchangeable in this story. That's disgusting. That's truly disgusting to me. So he implanted a young goat's testicles into the man's scrotum. And a year later, the farmer and his wife had a son aptly named Billy. Also disgusting. I I just have to imagine, and I'm going to go there. I'm going to paint a visual a nutsack full of four balls. I don't think it was two additional. I think it was just a little three balls nubbin. Well, they were using young goats, so it was basically like a lima bean. Oh, even that's even worse in my opinion. <laughs> well, that's disgusting. And the freaking coincidence. The freaking coincidence that he would have a child the next yeah, year. Yeah. Is like, that's the worst thing that could have happened, really. Pretty much, pretty much. So news in a small town spreads quickly, as mm-hmm. we all know. Mm-hmm. And before long, Brinkley had men lining up to get <laughs> oh, these goat glands, <laughs> a.k.a. testicles, <laughs> implanted. <laughs> then in 1922, LA Times owner Harry Chandler had Brinkley perform surgery on one of his reporters. Oh, no. They claimed it to be a total success. Okay. Everybody in the office must have hated that reporter, right? Yeah. The one who got picked? Yeah. The guinea pig? Yeah. He was the one who's like clogged up the copy machine. He was the one who was like forwarding the spam emails because this wasn't 1922. <laughs> he was the office asshole. On April 22nd, 1922, the headlines of the Los Angeles Times read in bold letters, New life in glands. Dr. Brinkley's patients here show improvements. 
many victims of incurable diseases are cured. No. 1,200 operations are all successful. No, 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 no. Fake news. That's fake news, people. You know what? That guy that was ordered to be yeah. <laughs> that science experiment, he was the one that always showed up late but with Starbucks in his hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's like, what? 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, now Brinkley was fucking hot shit. Oh no. Clearly. My goodness, that guy if that guy if only that first patient had like died, maybe this could have gone a different you, way. Every time you say somebody died, you laugh in the story. I, <laughs> it's okay because they would no matter what they'd be dead by now cuz these stories are so old, but I'm just saying okay. it's a little chilling. Callous, if I'm being callous. But it's a little callous. It's it's. But I know how much you love a fresh corpse, there, so it might be a compliment coming from that you. That was one time, and it was, <laughs> would you rather I had to choose? <laughs> if you want to hear why Cassie is going to prison, <laughs> listen to our would you rather episode. So after this article, like I said, Brinkley was hot shit. Mm-hmm. People around the country were lining up to get goat gland operation at $9,600 in today's money. A pop. That's a lot of money. For a lima bean? These surgeries were typically done on men, but a few women did get the surgery Ew. done, and the goat gland was placed near an ovary. That's disgusting. Because, so this is a little bit about the actual operation. Okay. Because there was no actual connection being made during these implants... The goat gland was usually just absorbed as a foreign entity into the man or woman's body. Mm -hmm. There was no positive effect on the patients whatsoever, medically speaking. The only positive effect that was happening was most likely because of the placebo Mm -hmm. effect that we all know about, Mm -hmm. which often occurs when a patient believes his treatment will give him a specific result. That's why baby Billy was probably born. The pressure was off so the guy could get a boner. Well, yeah, because I'm not a medical professional and this is just a personal take. Not that this has ever happened to me, but I'm under the impression that impotence is mostly... Psychological. Psychological. In most cases, there are medical cases, but in most cases, mm-hmm. it, it's psychological. So, yeah, if you think you've had this medical treatment, it's a miracle. There's no medical way possible that this would ever No. He was basically just slicing a little hole in the... Popping that lima bean in, that goat lima bean. And then slipping it in and then stitching it up. Say. There you go. No connection made whatsoever. Also, it was all placebo. Yes. Psychological. Totally. Um, yeah, that's pretty disgusting. That might not even be the worst part. Oh, no. Because Brinkley's <laughs> surgeries were dangerous for other reasons as well. Mm-hmm. Usually, the operating rooms were not sterile, mm-hmm. and Brinkley was often drunk during surgery. <laughs> that's why they all liked him. He was so happy because he was slightly hammered he the whole time. He was a happy drunk. Yeah. I mean, everybody loves a happy drunk. Yeah, seriously. Brinkley bumped up his advertising and notoriety by starting his own radio station as well. On this radio station, people would even call in and Mm -hmm. ask medical questions, and he would give advice over the air. He would listen to the patient and then prescribe people medication without ever seeing them, but only at specific pharmacies that would then send a cut of their profits back to Brinkley. Oh, uh, so we get a kickback, mm-hmm. a medical yep. kickback. Both of our guys didn't mm-hmm. finish college. Both of our guys did the kickback. Both of our guys have B names. Are they the same man? Well, they're not the same person, but I didn't mention this when 
when I talked about Bailey, but at one point Brinkley and Bailey were in partnership in a business together. Was it glow in the dark testicles? <laughs> no, but I, I, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> Be easy to find them. Brinkley also amped up the claims he made about what these goat glands could do for people. He said the goat gland transplant could cure over 20 ailments, including dementia, insomnia, and insanity within 48 hours. Oh my, within 48 hours. He got greedy. Yeah, he got, it's a little over the top. Brinkley was world famous and a millionaire. By the time his medical career was over, he personally claimed over 600 successful goat gland transplants. Not to mention his radio station that was very, very popular, actually. Mm -hmm. It was like number one radio station in the United States. He also was prescribing random medicine, getting money from these, you know, doctors. It was just, he had a lot of uh, different scams and shitty situations a lot of irons in the fire if you will you know the idea of that radio radio station uh beyond the describing prescriptions is a pretty good concept i actually like it yeah um like i said i watched a couple of minutes of that documentary Mm -hmm. they said that he was kind of like the dr ruth of his day because Mm -hmm. most people didn't talk about sex and he was willing to answer these questions and talk about it Mm -hmm. openly Mm -hmm. so well, and you could call in anonymously. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You don't have to look somebody in the eye and say what you're probably the most embarrassing mm-hmm. thing. Like, you're, if the government told you uh, you have one secret that you have to guard with your life, I mean, these, these are probably those secrets these mm-hmm. pe- people were calling in about, and they could do it totally anonymously, not in their small towns, not their probably gossip small town doctors and also not there they thought that they were calling somebody who was such a great doctor too a doctor that would like normally be outside of their means if they lived in a small town across the country right let's be honest probably didn't matter they were getting medical advice or for something they didn't want to see their small town doctor about yeah that's true it could have been a monkey yeah so even though uh the public loved brinkley Mm -hmm. not everyone believed his claims Oh, what, real doctors? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the American Medical Association knew the operation, the transplant operations, were total bullshit. And they did everything they could to shut that down. Yeah. They knew that the goat glands were not properly transplanted. Okay. And word was also spreading among doctors about patients Brinkley treated on his radio show getting even sicker after being misdiagnosed. You can't really properly diagnose people over the radio, right? No, even it, it, it's kind of, um, you know, you have these psychology shows like uh, Dr. Laura is mm-hmm. one of them where patients call in, or not her patients, but people call in for like relationship or psychology advice. Mm-hmm. It's like, even that, it's a cool concept, but to really give... You can't talk to somebody one time and diagnose no. them of anything. No, yeah. and you can't give them advice based on one five-minute phone call either. Exactly. In my opinion, you need to know their medical history, their mental health history. I mean, I mean, it's just, it's reckless. Yeah, and I mean, imagine if somebody had like a growth or something and they're trying to describe it over the radio. They, a doctor, there's a reason why doctors see you in person, right? Yes. So Brinkley and the AMA the American Medical Association, they fought back and forth. This war between the two of them 
was a really big deal. Mm -hmm. Finally, in 1930, the Kansas Medical Board held a hearing to see if Brinkley's license should be revoked. Mm -hmm. The board discovered something they couldn't ignore. Brinkley had signed 42 death certificates. Oh, shit. Although the actual number of deaths attributed to John Brinkley is unknown. Who knows how many people died based on misdiagnoses from the radio? Who knows how many people died and didn't realize that it was from complications from surgery? I'm sure a lot of people did. Yeah. Also, back in those days, you said that he had people from all over coming to see him, mm-hmm. getting his transplant, and then going home. Who knows how many Who people knows? died once they I'm got... I'm sure it was much higher than 42. And he himself, oh my gosh, signed 42 death certificates. That's what... That's... Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is so reckless. So Brinkley lost his medical license, which he kind of just bought in the first place, mm-hmm. but <laughs> his life fell apart despite countless attempts to regain his good name and fortune. He lost his radio station. He tried to run for governor of Kansas and lost. In 1938, he was called a modern medical charlatan in an article by Morris Fishbean who was the editor of the Journal of the American Medical Association. Brinkley sued him for libel, but the judge accepted that the article had just been basically truthful. <laughs> so Brinkley lost the case. Like, can you imagine Brinkley's like, libel, they're, they're ruining my good name. And the judge is like, you don't have a good name. You really are a modern medical charlatan. How horrible. Yeah. For Brinkley. I mean, it's the truth, but like, Wow. Um, after all of this, Brinkley was sued by multiple former patients. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not surprised. Yeah. In the end, he it just all went downhill. He lost his leg from a blood clot. <laughs> oh my god. You are the I'm sorry. you are the actual devil. <laughs> and he died penniless. Good, he deserved in it. In 1942. I'm sorry, he deserves it. He killed multiple there, people. There was actually justice in this case, yes. Yes, it's so frustrating because Bailey didn't get I justice. Know. He I died know. a very rich man. I guess it's good we ended on mine because then at least you felt like he got a little yes. justice, right? Yes. So after a life built on lies, schemes, and trickery, in his obituary, the New York Times described him most appropriately as a quack. <laughs> and if you want even more information on the bizarre life of of Brinkley, like how his love of country music helped make it popular all across the United States. No way. Yep. Then check out the 2016 documentary about Brinkley, aptly named Nuts. <laughs> That's so gross. <laughs> it's actually, I, it's cool. It's like part animation, part um, interviews. It's pretty fun. Okay. I think we should watch it and make a drinking game out of it. Okay, I think that is another uh, kind of uh, kick him while he's down, but in a good way to name the, well, they say it's loosely based on actual events. Yeah. To name the documentary about him nuts, I feel like that's kind of (laughs) like... I think it's mainly true. I think that where they're saying that it's not like there might be a loose interpretation because there's no record. Because there's no record. Mm-hmm. It's an older story and it's animation. So like they're reenacting things that are just words. You know what I mean? They're animating it. To, so I, I think that it's I think that it's pretty much mainly true. Okay. I could see how there'd be holes in this story. Yeah. For records. Yeah. Because of records. And it's an older story. There was an interesting fact that I that I saw on it where um, in the beginning when they were first doing the goat gland implants, Mm -hmm. 
people would or the men would pick out a goat that like they connected with no (laughs) (laughs) could you imagine just the one humping the most probably that was the one picked or it had like brown hair like the man or had a goatee like the man (laughs) or it was like i can see myself in that one yeah it had a huge wiener oh ew what does a goat wiener even look like i don't is it like a dog's where it comes out? Ew, God, disgusting. I hate that. Ugh. <laughs> I don't think anybody likes uh, dog lipstick. If you do, please stop listening. You are not allowed to be our fan. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that I think was that a fantastic that... story. It was. Minus Dr. Brinkley and his weird obsession with um, goat nuts. <laughs> Um, ew, I didn't know that. Okay. So it's so funny how, when you tell me a story, I have, uh, what I see in my mind's eye. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was thinking like an, like a, you know, like a nudical size goat gland that he, and it would just be like this, like quad. Yeah. Quad. Like a huge extra implant. Like a big, like how could you even sit? It wasn't. If there was like that four nuts in there, but I now that I know the size of a lima bean, which is I'll never eat I'm lima beans again. I'm just guessing, but they because they said it was very small because it was from a baby. So I'm just assuming a very it was it was little. Oh, that's that's disgusting. <laughs> I don't think I guys ever, will do anything take for a, a drink boner, every time I say man. disgusting. <laughs> they will do anything for a boner, but uh, you know what? Do I blame them? No, because I love boners so. I'm like, uh, get, don't even come near me unless you have a boner. <laughs> to my husband, not to random <laughs> men on the street. I, you said it. I'm isolating that clip. And that's going to be our new intro every episode. <laughs> I think that's a great place to end it with you yeah. saying that. Yeah, it is. So thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. It's good to be back. We... um. I'm glad we took a little staycation and I'm glad to be back. I feel, I feel great. So this is a wonderful episode and don't forget, love yourself, lock your doors and light some sage. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Don't even come near me unless you have a boner.